When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 137 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. And joining me this week, as he does every single week, is the gentleman that runs our Twitter page, my good brother and good friend, it's Liam. Liam, season's greetings to you. Uh, hard to believe that we have reached Christmas week here. We are smack dab in the middle of Hanukkah, uh, and uh, we are celebrating accordingly here at the DCAU Review. That's right. Uh, as is tradition, the last Saturday before Christmas every year, we try to find a holiday-themed DCAU cartoon to review. We're running low on them, quite frankly. <laughs> I say, we basically uh, have one ba- left. Based, based on our decision to uh, review Batman in order, we're quite a bit away from both Bullet for Bullock and uh, <laughs> Holiday Nights, so it's going to be a little bit. We're going to have to figure some stuff out for next year, but uh, for this year... We were able to find another main continuity DCAU holiday tale, and that is, of course, the Static Shock episode, Frozen Out. Well, that's right. Well, we will have the opportunity at some point to do uh, what we started this week, a new tradition, and that being what we call a watch-along episode. We did do we release our bonus episode where we did a watch-along mm-hmm. uh, that you can actually watch with us and listen to our commentary as we watch Christmas with the Joker. Uh, so you can check that out at dcaureview.com if you have not done so already, also on your standard podcast feeds. But Liam, this week, as you said, we are smack dab in the middle of talking about static, and... Uh, uh, excited to cover this episode. As you said, it is a holiday-themed episode here, and touching on some real-world, real-life subjects, as uh, Static was apt to do at times. Uh, so before we get into this week's episode, I'm sure you have the IMDB synopsis, the official one, that is, rip-roaring and ready to go for this week's episode, which is, if we didn't mention, called Frozen Out. And this episode actually debuted back uh, a little bit after Christmas, February 20th. 22nd, 2002, so uh, we were just finishing celebrating Valentine's Day, and uh, (laughs) we were learning about the true meaning of Christmas, so uh, uh, let's get that IMDB synopsis, though, out of the way. Absolutely, and this is for the episode Frozen Out, which was written by Len Yuli, directed by Dave Kleistek, I'm going to say, apologies if I'm butchering that, music by Richard Wolf, and animation by both slightly offbeat productions and top draw animation. So we had two animation companies on mm. this one. And that synopsis reads as such. In the midst of the holiday season, Virgil's eyes are open to the homeless population in Dakota who need help and care especially one bang baby with PTSD that caused her powers of winter weather to act up. Mm. Just, I just want to remind people, I read these verbatim. <laughs> I don't edit. Uh, so, unless it's like completely not a sentence, in which case I will. But uh, Sentence structure there, poor. Yes. Uh, that, that gets a rating of poor for yes. me. Yes. Uh, if you can parse together what we're talking about as we jump into plot here... Uh, it is, in fact, the holiday season, Virgil. It is winter time, where a giant snowstorm has hit Dakota. Virgil's busy doing all of this static-related work. It keeps making him late, or he keeps missing uh, things. He arrives late at uh, Frida's menorah lighting for the final night of Hanukkah. Uh, he's talking about all these other holiday parties he has to go to. He mentions he has a friend with a, a Ramadan celebration. He mentions Kwanzaa and, of course, Christmas and New Year's. Hi. So, how did your patrol go tonight? Good. I've accounted for almost every metahuman in town. Yeah, maybe things will stay quiet. They better. I've been invited to a lot of parties, and I'm not going to miss them. Daisy's having an early Kwanzaa thing. Omar's doing a Ramadan feast. Then there's Christmas, New Year's. <laughs> What's this? Hey, Arthur, pay the light bill, will you? Hey, the whole block's 
gone dark. I've got a funny feeling. Richie, it's just a power failure. Come on, let's hit the buffet. Uh, he's he's sort of just fed up with having to be static and do the holiday stuff at the same time. He wants to just relax, but of course he is thrown into action when the power substation nearby completely freezes over. And uh, that's sort of our introduction to this character of Permafrost, who uh, becomes a vehicle to, as a lot of Static Shock episodes did, uh, not a lot, but certainly a few each season, it seemed, it tackled in a, in a very special episode-style sort of infotainment way, uh, they tackle the very serious topic of homelessness, specifically homelessness when it uh, pertains to the winter and the holiday season and how those less fortunate than us uh, deal with, with this sort of things, and we sort of blow that up to a superhero-sized problem from there. Yeah, they also sprinkle in some uh, information or some commentary about uh, the sort of linked uh, homelessness with uh, mental illness and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the population that that deals with both of those uh, those those difficulties. Um, yeah, so you know as we go through here and as as Static sort of uh, starts doing his best to try and help the city out as these sort of random random winterized events keep popping up he thaws out a power station and then uh, later on he's shopping at the mall and uh, a uh, this a similar event occurs where they random uh, ice uh, shooting up and he happens to recognize a young lady that he had run into at the power station and that's this very pale uh, girl dressed up pale to the point where she's blue dressed up in a in a parka and she's sort of walking around muttering and he had sort of paid her no mind uh, when she was at the power station she asked if he had any money and he sort of brushed her off and then uh, they the uh, he points out or he's pointed out uh, while he's at the mall to, to, you know, to that, how sad she looks and how sad it is that she's sort of walking around sort of aimlessly in the mall. And, uh, so there's some, some commentary to be had about that, I guess. And then, uh, this girl permafrost, she ends up in this, uh, store where she sees this crystal angel, I guess. And, uh, this, this sort of causes her to have these flashbacks to her childhood. We get, we get the full story later on of kind of her backstory told in a very unique way. But uh, because of this interaction that she has with a salesperson who is very rude to her and tries to get her out of the store, uh, she sort of reacts and causes this other event. She has her first sort of interaction with Static where she creates this winterized event. She does escape uh, out of the mall at that point. But Mm -hmm. then we, uh, we go on... Uh, kind of moving through the plot here, we we do get the back her backstory, which we learn uh, she was uh, an orphan uh, who looks like her parent or maybe step parent walked out on her and her mom, and her mom at some point uh, was dealing with some sort of illness and passes away, and she's sort of remanded to protective services and uh, was not very interested in in doing that. She runs away from them and. I guess that's how we learned that she became ended up becoming homeless. So she had this very mm-hmm. traumatic experience of a, of one parent leaving her, another parent, uh, you know, passing away from a from a serious illness, and then being remanded at least into custody uh, temporarily uh, into uh, into protective services, and and her running away because of her experiences there. Yeah, and and that's that's sort of the. Uh the tragedy of the episode, I guess, is they, they really do zero in on that. And there's a little bit of, especially, I think, uh, there's a scene later in the episode where she, where Static's trying to reason with her and she tells him, you don't know what it's like. People just look right through you. Mm. And Static has a moment where he realizes that he did that exact thing to her multiple times. Is that why you did what you did at the mall and the power station? Those families all happy and warm in their homes. They have no idea how it is out here. When you're homeless, people look right through you. It's like you're not even there. Yeah, I've been guilty of that. I thought when I got these powers, things would get better for me. They didn't. (laughs) I'm more alone now than ever. (laughs) 
sort of the way the way that uh, that it is it is tough. It is hard for 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 homeless people. And we also it, it reminded me a bit of the the Batman animated series episode, one of my favorites, The Forgotten. Uh, in that there is no there's no real happy ending. There's a scene where uh, Static, while looking for this girl, notices this abandoned uh, warehouse where he finds a bunch of uh, homeless people sort of holed up and. Like it's shown, like all of those people are still homeless at the end of this episode, right? Um, like the prob the problems are not all magically solved at the end, right? Like, this is still it's very much shown that, uh, and that that's sort of the message that the Reverend is giving. They have a an, an interfaith service at the end where they you know they say whether you're you're Jewish or Christian or Muslim, the one thing that we're all called to do in all of our faiths is to uh, is to care for those who you know, care for the poor, the sick, the downtrodden. And, uh, that's, that's kind of the message shown and that's sort of paired with, uh, footage of, uh, the mother and children who had helped static find, uh, permafrost earlier going to a homeless shelter. And so, yeah, it, it is one of those things where we do get a happy ending for, for this girl, for, for permafrost in that static kind of talks her down and, and, eventually she agrees to go back into a, like to a homeless, uh, a program for homeless children and hopefully, uh, you know, get herself back on the right path. But it is not, it doesn't, it doesn't attempt to tell you that everything is sunshine and rainbows. When, when Virgil asks the, the Reverend, is she going to be okay? The Reverend honestly answers, he doesn't know. He doesn't know if this is going to work out this time, but that he has faith that it will. And that's kind of, it is interesting to me that that's kind of a secondary element, and while it doesn't zero in on one particular faith, that is kind of the the one little nugget of hope in this episode among a very deep and heavy subject matter is that you just you try to help them out one at a time, and you hope when you when you offer them the help that they're they're able to take it and that they are able to to that things work out better for them next time. And it's kind of it's not a it's not a super happy you know, kids show Christmas tale where it's just be nice to people. Like there's a lot of deep, heavy subject matter to it. And I think they handle it pretty appropriately with the, you know, with the superhero action thrown in, of course, because it's, a, because it's a superhero show. But <laughs> I think they do a good job of, they give you a happy ending for this one character without trying to pretend like that means this is no longer a problem for, for millions of other people in, in the country and, and in the world. And I think even within that, the nuance, like you said, is that they don't really tell you that, you know, everything is okay or that what happens with her story and they don't promise that, you know, that's very real that, you know, if we, if we played this out, that she goes into that, that, uh, into that program and doesn't like it and ends up back out on the street, which is, you know, real life with, unfortunately, with a lot of, uh, the homeless population. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think that. I th I like that they tried something different, and I think that we we mentioned this when we cover that episode of The Forgotten that that episode didn't really have a like it was talking about the homeless, but there wasn't really I didn't I don't know that there was really a message yeah that they were trying to get through. This tries to get the message through. I don't know that they were super effective based on the way that they chose to. It's very corny at times. Yes. It feels very much like a PSA or like you're being talked to. And again, you know, you take into consideration, this is a children's cartoon. Batman the Animated Series was a children's cartoon, but written for an, an adult audience at times. Mm -hmm. This, I don't know that this was, this was more on the side of this is a children's cartoon for children written for children to deal with sort of, now it's dealing yeah. with something that, again, we you don't turn on Charlie Brown Christmas and and hear them talking about the homeless population <laughs> right. or or mental illness. So obviously it's doing its part to sort of introduce these real world real difficulties to a a children's audience. But in doing so at times I I feel like I feel like at times the message between mental illness and homelessness sort of gets lost. Like they, they don't go f real far down on one or the other. Yes. So with that, it sort of feels like a gloss over, like either you're supposed to assume or understand that, uh, what the difficulties are with having, having somebody that, that deals with mental illness, which there are other episodes of, 
of Batman Beyond or other episodes mm-hmm. of that that deal with sort of that mental illness factor, even Batman the animated series that deal with that mental illness side of things. Sure. So I think if this and the danger also is is to make this character who did nothing wrong. This right. character did nothing. She didn't go out and try to get these powers. She's simply responding in ways that unfortunately that her PTSD and her her mental illness really justify in a mm-hmm. way. So you you risk the ch- the the chance that somebody, especially a child, I think watching this perceives mental illness as bad. Yeah. Or villain, which I- is We've talked we talked about it briefly in in some episodes is has been a comic book trope for a very very long time. Yes. And uh, obviously there's nuances to that and there's ways that you're able to take that and see that well, you know, they've been given an opportunity, but really mental illness is something that people have been made have been made either scary or villainous for a very very long time. So I think that with a cartoon that I think that they were very very careful in trying to be very inclusive like we mentioned, they mentioned mm-hmm. multiple religions. They have interfaith services. They're mm-hmm. trying to really spread things out here and make it seem very politically correct. I think you, there is a chance because you made the person with a mental illness the villain that a child could come could come away from this seeing. And yes, at the end, she accepts help and she realizes that you know she her heart is sort of warmed because Static <laughs> sees her finally. Yeah. But I, th- that's that's my one nitpick with it, yeah. and why I think I didn't give it a higher score is because you, if you had just done homeless, mm-hmm. and I understand that the history, bringing in her backstory and how she got how she ended up homeless was important to the character and, and did add depth to that character. But making her the sort of adversary to Static and causing this chaos out of her insanity or you know for uh, her mental illness. It's just, it's tiptoeing close to that, and I felt like it was a swing and a miss. No, I think that's fair. Um, that I think that is definitely a danger you run into. And, yeah, it, it's established, and I almost think that's, they almost leave it in kind of a gray area, because it almost seemed to me at first that she didn't realize she was doing it. Right. Like, when she shows up at the power station and just asks Static for change, it doesn't, doesn't seem like she was just you know, raining down giant icicles on, right. on him. Correct. Like, it, it, and same thing in, in the mall, she's kind of just walking around and only when the, you know, the worker at the store, when she's looking at the glass statue of the angel tells her to leave, does like, does the cold weather start? So it almost seems like at, at first, like it's tri- like it's triggering, uh, her yeah. powers are triggered by her, by her, her PTSD, her mental illness from this terrible experience she had as a child Imagine and, if it was more of a man bat type thing where, you know, Kirk Langstrom has these, doesn't realize that he's transforming or, mm-hmm. you know, that even in the follow-up episode, uh, Terror in the Sky, where where Francine doesn't realize that she's doing these mm-hmm. things as man bat. So if she comes to, you know, she kind of goes into this blind rage where her illness sort of influences, to me, that makes it a much more sympathetic, like, it's straight up sympathetic at that point as yes. opposed to... Well, she's also kind of doing this in anger because Static has her picture, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I like I said, I think I think obviously everyone involved in this is hearts were in the right place with this story for sure. Um, and yeah, but I, I definitely think, especially as you pointed out, this is a show for children, and you do run the risk of if you're just a kid and you're kind of half watching it, you just see Static's fighting a girl who has ice powers and. Right. And the, all that other stuff might kind of wash over you. So to, ha- um, but obviously, like I said, I I think the points they hit on are still strong, and I I do like the ending there um, because again, it feels like our our hero is in a different place than he was at the start of the episode. Um, and it's it's not, and again, it's not your typical Christmas special uh, moral where it's just sure. be nice and share and, and like very generic stuff. Like they go very specifically on this homeless thing. But I, I do agree that there's the, the execution is clunky and, and talking about the different causes of homelessness. I, again, I think that's very good. I think that's something that many adults as well as children need to be, uh, more educated on is, you know, the, the varying causes of, of why people end up, uh, un, unhoused. But I, I do think that's, uh, 
the execution at the end is a little bit clunky. Like I said, I still think it's a, a pretty strong story, and I went with an 8 out of 10 for my plot. Okay. I went a little bit lower. I went a 6 out of 10. Um, you know, one of the things that we love, and again, we it's very difficult to compare these, you know, comparing these across between Batman and the series and this are, are very difficult, obviously. Mm. They're written by different people, different audiences at the time. Like <laughs> this wasn't even supposed to be DCAU at that time, as we've we've established. But you look at the way that some of those things were, you know, some of those more serious things were tackled in Batman the Animated Series. And one of the things that I think appealed to both kids and adults, or or still does with that show, is that it never feels like the show is talking down to its audience. Mm-hmm. This at times feels like the one scene, and again. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that they have the scene where the you know the pastor is sharing you know the the reverend is sharing why uh, there are different causes for homelessness and giving Static mm-hmm. this insight, but it feels like he's talking down to Static in a way that he's also talking down to the audience. Yeah, it's it, when he's when he's rattling off specific statistics about you know the the seven million homeless people and. You know, listing there, it, it, yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit, I think, in voice acting as well. But yeah, I definitely think that there's the the messaging, while good, and everyone being in in the right place mentally, and it, maybe it was just the execution was a little clunkier, and maybe that prevented both of us from giving it an even higher score than we did. Yeah, I think the heart was in the right place, but maybe just for me, it was there were some things that I would have liked to have seen a little bit less uh, less PSA like. I think fair enough. All right, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be animation and visuals. Interesting that you mentioned that there are two different companies that work on uh, this one. Uh, now, as as we've said, this is season two. We reviewed mm-hmm. episodes last week from season one. Uh, there's a significant change in the way that things look coming from season three and four. Uh, this one, to me, I think it was interesting. We talked about off-air before we went, went on. You were interested to see whether or not there was a great change between season one in season two and uh i think we kind of got our answer (laughs) yeah it's not a it's not a stark jump like there's a a lot of this episode takes place at night so there is a little more shadow work maybe that's just coincidence Mm -hmm. um but so it it does look a little better than some of those daytime action scenes that we talked about last week um but and the title sequence or the the opening video is is definitely better animated than the season one uh, one is. But it's still definitely a far cry from even the the later seasons of this show, much less you know Justice League or or any of the other uh, DCAU proper shows. For sure, um, I think the for me the most interesting visual aspect of that was certainly Permafrost's powers. There's a couple of different scenes. To me, I think the scene in the mall was the was the first standout and then their their sort of battle towards the end also uh you know she rains down these sort of uh you know these uh, icicles or you know ice picks from the sky that come through the ceiling and those are raining down and in the mall scene static has to sort of he's on his uh his is there a name for his hoverboard uh oh gosh there is but i can't i can't i'll have to look that up all right so he's riding you know his his vehicle thing lid (laughs) trash can lid in season one that now is an actual disc um so he's kind of riding that in and out of of these uh icicles i thought that was actually animated pretty well Mm -hmm. by the way it's called the static saucer according to the dcau (laughs) wiki So that's what we're going with. I love it. That's the static saucer. saucer. Okay, so the static. Yeah, he's riding the static saucer in and out. Uh, I thought thought that looked good. I think there's some some good uh, appropriate holiday wear. We get Virgil wearing a uh, a, a winter turtleneck. That's right at the yeah, beginning. Non uh, non traditional uh, clothing for when he's in a suit near the end there when he goes to church. So. Very special episode. That's of, right of static. Right. We get, so we get different looks. Uh, so other than that, uh, there is a scene also later on where permafrost is running through traffic and she's kind of dodging cars. That one stood out to me also. Mm -hmm. There was Mm -hmm. some, some good work in there. And I wonder if that other animation department was brought in to to do some Mm -hmm. of those sort of, uh, you know, more three dimensional looking, more difficult, uh, panoramic shots because, uh, those looked, those looked the most impressive, but they were not, uh, they were not the majority of the episode. The majority (laughs) of the episode to me still looks like 
you know, a pretty low budget cartoon. Uh, there's not a lot of movement from characters. As we said, there's a lot of what seems to be uh, dialogue and a lot of, uh, a lot of PSA t- type, yes. type, uh, a lot of talking, just, a lot of talking. So characters are kind of standing still. Uh, was there anything that stood out for you? Yeah, other than what we talked about, just some minor visual things, like you already mentioned different outfits. Static is wearing his goggles down over his eyes uh, for a lot of this episode because you have the snow and the wind blowing. So it makes sense, but it was just one of those things where I'm sure we see it a few other times in the series, but it's pretty rare i feel like so that was that's just in you know having these big yellow goggles on during a couple of the fight scenes was it made that a little bit unique and uh static when he's in the mall and he's sort of encased in this giant pillar of ice and he melts all the way down and then creates a door for himself i thought that was that was pretty clever i don't know about the physics of electricity melting ice (laughs) they do it a Uh, lot in this episode yes but they say that it can like i don't know if electricity would just crack the ice or if it would actually melt it like that or how how exactly that would work uh any scientists listening feel free to at me (laughs) at dcau review and let me know if that could actually if lightning can actually melt ice like that but if there's a crossover uh, crowd of scientists listening to our podcast by the way i i i know at least one doctor does Well, thank you for anybody who listens. But, yes. uh, yeah, if you have any insight on that. Uh, the the only other visual that I would say, Liam, that I thought that was that was, played really, really well, and that was, uh, we could have talked about it in plot, I guess, but the flashback scene where we kind of get Permafrost's uh, you know, backstory, uh, I love that there is very little dialogue. It's not her narrating the story of what happened to her. It, there is some dialogue from characters within it, but you pretty much kind of put things together as they're happening to her um and i thought that 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 flashback sequence was actually done really really well you see her as a child mm-hmm. you see her mom uh this shadow is over whoever the father or parental figure was the male parental figure uh, that walks out on her. You don't really ever see his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, coincidentally, he's also cut out of her f- family photo later on. Yeah. So I, I thought that that spoke volumes a lot and actually was pretty effective. And then they, they sort of phase it back in as she's experiencing these PTSD uh, uh, experiences later as, as Static says the same line that the person from Protective Services said. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, it's all done in like this kind of sepia tone and then it shifts to kind of more straight up black and white uh for some of it as well it's yeah it's done it's done in a really interesting way and and uh yeah that that definitely stands out and just that final little bit there as we as we mentioned when she's sort of yelling at him in in and he finally just you know put puts a hand on her shoulder and and she breaks down and and hugs him and he kneels down to hug her and like it, it again it just feels like that's that's a moment and showing that visually that our, that's where our hero really learned the lesson and and learned like that's that's a hero being a hero like that's yeah and it shows like Virgil who even throughout this episode was so focused on partying and 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 wanting to take time off and here in this moment him just just the simple gesture of kneeling down to hug this little girl that's crying is like yeah that's that's what a hero does that's 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 who a hero is and I I, I love so I like the visual of that as well. Um, Overall, like I said, it's it's still seasons one to two of Static Shock, so I couldn't go too high with it, but I went with a six out of ten for uh, for visuals. Nice. Uh, yeah, I went just a tick higher. I went seven out of ten. Um, I think those those scenes that I mentioned were, were pretty strong. We also didn't mention uh, that there was also this weird B subplot about Static lighting the town Christmas tree, <laughs> or C subplot, or D subplot, yes. I don't know. Yeah, Richie, <laughs> Richie ca- just calls up the mayor's office. Apparently it's very easy to, like... <laughs> convince someone you're a superhero's publicist and at least in dakota but they calls up the mayor richie calls up the mayor and tells him that static's going to show up to light this uh, this town this tree in the middle of town and Ow! snowball fight anyone ask me when i'm awake in june well aren't we a cranky little crime fighter this morning maybe this will perk you up Static has agreed to light the 50-foot-tall tree at the Dakota City Media Plaza. Sounds cool. Hold on. How did this happen? Because I set it up. Hello, Councilman's Office. This is Static's publicist calling. 
publicist? Fee, get with the times. You have to promote yourself, meet and greet, press the flesh. We're talking about Christmas Eve here, Richie. I got plans. Well, that's the price you pay for fame. I thought it was interesting that the town of Dakota uses these, like, Tesla-style conductors <laughs> that to light their Christmas tree. It's not just, like, a plug in a right, in yeah. an outlet. It's, like, these giant gold Tesla-style conductors. Right, or it wasn't like he, like, flew up and put the star on the tree right. or whatever. It was, yeah, it was very specifically, like... <laughs> like, no, he's gotta, he's gotta zap it to light it all up. So, yeah, it was... Just a weird little bit there, but yeah, that's kind of a funny bit in the episode where the the, the congressman or the whoever it is won't stop talking, and Static has to bump him out of the way and and then fly up to uh, to light the tree. It's it's a pretty funny little sequence there. All right, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be music, and uh, we kick off <laughs> we kick off with what I would I guess is like. They just decided, they're like, we're not paying for the rights for any actual Christmas songs, so we just need you to write a generic-sounding Christmas <laughs> song that talks about Christmas things, and we're going to play it as the intro. Yes, both the intro and sort of uh, the, one of the last shots when they're outside the church. There's what can only be described as a Destiny's Child sound-alike group, <laughs> what, but instead of singing, like, Joy to the World, or even, like, something, which I would imagine most of, some of these are in public domain, so I don't know why they didn't just use I don't know, man, real, Happy Birth, like, the Happy yeah. Birthday song has rights owned, that's true, uh, their rights that's that true. are owned to the Happy Birthday song, but yeah, so. they, they didn't use Jingle Bells, or any, <laughs> anything, you know, Oh Christmas Tree, none of them, uh, the Dreidel song, none of them, like, we, <laughs> no official holiday music was used, although I feel like a little bit of, maybe a little bit of the Nutcracker soundtrack is used, in like a real like techno dancey bit near the end when the yeah permafrost when the, she's when she's throwing the, hurling the ice at him definitely has some uh, some of the Nutcracker Suite or the Sugar Plum Fairy mm-hmm. song or something like yeah. that. But uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of mixed in with her music. But yes, the the highlight, the standout piece of music for me is the the uh <laughs> the discount destiny's child singing like and it's like they're not even like they can't i guess they can't like reference any other christmas songs either so it's just like generic like it's the winter <laughs> There are holidays on the calendar this month, <laughs> but in a voice that sounds like someone trying to sing like Beyonce. Like it's amazing. It's 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 literally like it would be a joke in like a Rick and Morty episode or something, or or a Simpsons episode or something where where there's like we're not allowed to use any actual Christmas songs. Now sing a Christmas song <laughs> without referencing without, any other thing that's right. ever been mentioned in a exactly. Christmas song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, as much, as much humor as I got out of that, uh, <laughs> I'm still not willing to give this music points for humor. Oh, uh, I refuse I to am. do that. I refuse to, <laughs> because I'm grading this on whether it's good, not whether I think it's funny or not, because it's not intentionally <laughs> supposed to be funny. That's the thing. Oh, man. Uh, so because of that, I gave music a five out of 10. All right, I went a little stronger. I went seven out of ten. What? I don't think we need the. I liked, I liked uh, Permafrost's little theme there, and uh, some of the other music in the fight scenes. And then, yes, I, I take it as if I enjoyed the music for any reason, that's a plus. Whether it's because it made me laugh or because I genuinely liked it as like a piece of music, either way, it works for me. So I uh, I gave it a bit of a stronger score, mostly thanks to the the bookends of uh, of public domain Destiny's Child. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, yeah that that church sequence when they they pop back up for the final church sequence it's literally just like one note that they sing, and I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> I was just like, what are they doing? It's like bookended by these two like single held out notes by. Yeah, it's, by it's discount like speaking, of, speaking of a happy birthday song, it'll be like starting a scene with like to you, and then and then everyone just infers that it's a birthday because everyone's wearing party hats. Like, 
Uh, so good. All right. Uh, that did bring me a lot of joy. So it is the season for joy. That's I love right. that. That's right. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. So we have uh, some of our regulars returning, of course, for this week. We have a couple of other additional recognizable voices from prior DCAU appearances uh, and some new people. So uh, let us talk about this week's voice cast. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty decent-sized uh, cast. We have uh, a lot of Virgil's friends. Of course, we have Richie by Jason Marsden. We have uh, Danica McKellar as Frida, briefly, who's mad at Virgil because he showed up late to her her Hanukkah party, which is being presided over by a young Bernie Sanders, as you pointed out. <laughs> he does, and look. It's the I, hair, too. It's, it's not just it's an old Jewish man. It's, right. He it's looks, the hair and the and glasses. He, and he sounds like him. Like, not, not to, like, he could be him. That's just, like, they, they went with stereotypical. That was the one thing that I probably could have critiqued yes. a little bit. Is they went, for some reason, the voice actors in this episode, for the people playing the Jewish people, they went very stereotypical, like, yes. borderline offensive choices for the voices. Yes. And then the the workers that Static interacts with at the power plant all sound like they're from New York for some reason. Yeah. I don't like I always assumed, I mean maybe just because the name is Dakota, but I always assumed this was like a a midwestern city, like a Detroit type or right. maybe even like further like further west than that maybe. Like, so, yeah, the idea that there's just, like, every fireman in the state is like, hey, or not fireman, uh, the, the, yeah, the workers at the power plant are all like, hey, yo, static, what's going on? Yeah, hey. we need you to fix this! Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, bada-bing. <laughs> like, it's it's very, it's just very, yeah, there's very, uh, I guess what you would call stereotypical voices of, uh, <laughs> but again, you wouldn't think that would be the stereotype for uh, for workers in, uh, in Dakota, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, we have, uh, we have Michael Dorn, as Reverend Anderson, who plays a pretty big role in this episode. And, of course, folks would know him as both the voice of Calabac in Superman the Animated Series, as well as the Superman the Animated Series voice of Steel, slash John Henry Irons, of course, later being replaced, ironically, by <laughs> Phil Lamar in Justice League Unlimited when Steel reappears. But, uh, yeah, I, I, again, his job in this episode is to throw is to do the, the edutainment portion, so he's the guy who throws out all the stats, along with uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, Virgil's dad. Uh, they throw out all the homeless stats at him and talk about the you know people less fortunate than us. So he's kind of mostly there to lecture. But, uh, I mean, I, I, he still does a solid job. Nothing wrong with the performance. I just feels, again, like we talked about, sort of the, edu- the execution of that... Of that educational part of the show is a little, uh, it's a little heavy-handed in in some of those scenes. It's a lot of it's it would be exposition in any other scene. Yes, and it's, and it's just feels not, I don't know, not organic because of the way that it's the way that it's just thrown out there. He mm-hmm. knows all of those homeless facts by heart. I'm just gonna say that. Yes. Like, the, the man is dedicated. He's either super dedicated or maybe he has it like tattooed on the inside of his arm or something <laughs> like that because he was ready to pull those stats out right away. Uh, that's right. And then, of course, other than Phil Lamar as Static, our, our main voice actress to talk about this week playing Permafrost is one Hinden Walsh, who, of course, folks would probably know as the voice of Starfire on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, uh, as well as Harley Quinn on The Batman and a bunch of other projects. So She shows up later in the uh, Justice League episode Wild Cards also. Oh, yes, as, uh, as Royal Ace. Flush Gang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, vet, a vet, veteran voice actress here, and again, we as we talked about in plot, because part of this is supposed to be that she's like dealing with this, you know, po- PTSD. She's like talking to herself a lot throughout the episode, and she's talking. At one point, she mentioned when Static asks her her name, she's like, "The voices in the dark told me my name is Permafrost" or something like that, right? Or call me. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a reference to the other homeless people. Or literally, like, she hears voices in her head. Like, right. that wasn't exactly made clear. But, uh, she, I mean, she does a good job. Again, we, we have already talked about the sort of clunky 
uh, way in which you portray mental illness as the villain in an episode. But like, I think for what was asked of her, she did a good job. Oh no, she's really, really good. I think, I think, I mean, it's not a surprise too, based on, you know, her voice performance, whether you, whether you love or hate Teen Titans or you love or hate Teen Titans Go, she's the voice of Starfire to me when I, when I think of Starfire. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So she's, I mean, and she's done that very, very well. She plays that innocent young person very, very well as, uh, you know, that's who Starfire is that's yes. sort of you know gleefully blissfully unaware of of things uh innocence so uh to bring her in you know obviously this is prior or probably prior or right around the time that she was doing Starfire for Teen Titans yeah this would have been a I'm guessing the show probably would have already been in production by the time certainly by the time this episode aired I'm sure it was yeah at least. 2002 yeah least definitely yeah and I think the show of... debuted in early 03 so so you know it's it, there's a reason why she was cast in in a role where she's sort of playing this for lack of a better term an, an innocent young young lady who mm -hmm. is struggling i think she the, her interactions between her and phil lamar who pulls like quadruple duty <laughs> yeah. in this or like he plays his own voice of static of course he ends up playing uh, some other ancillary voices of people at the party mm -hmm. he's the radio announcer ra you know the yep. the tv announcer announcing the issue uh, at the power plant, uh, he he plays a bunch of people. That's right. Yeah, one of the voices I think in the crowd saying "Amen" at the end as well <laughs> when the Reverend finishes his uh, his sermon. Yeah, he's he's doing a lot of work here, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think them together, like like we said, because that is sort of the central arc of the episode beyond just education about about homeless people is Virgil kind of being selfish and then learning that he you know learning or relearning the importance of. Of, uh, of the need to care for others, especially those the you know the weak and, and those that you know, again she didn't she didn't ask to be turned into this. She was a kid living on the streets when the big bang accident happened. So um, I think I think that really comes through in their in their uh, interactions, especially as I said that that final scene where she she breaks down and and he you know he mentions that you know I I've been guilty of of sort of looking past or, or ignoring this problem too and. So him sort of coming to terms with that, I think is I think I think Phil Lamar does a great job as as per usual, and uh, Hinden Walsh does a phenomenal job as well. And for those reasons, I gave a voice acting a very strong eight out of ten. Nice. I went just a tick higher. I went a nine out of ten. Um, again, I think I think for what this episode is, again the content may not have been great. Uh, mm -hmm. I may not agree with the way the execution of of what they were trying to say, but I think the voice performances all the way around. We have a lot of professionals, a lot of people that are used multiple times by uh, Andrea Romano throughout the DCAU. So mm -hmm. uh, there's some familiarity there, but you didn't use somebody that was necessarily like I could we I could tell whose whose voice the Reverend was. I, I was yes. like, I think that's I think that's Steel, right? Yeah, you know, call yeah, that call that right away. Call that right right away. But so it's familiar, but it's. It's, peop it's people that are voice actors that are used to this and that there's just like a, a second level, I think, sometimes in that in that voice actor department that they're able to bring out a, a, a great performance. So having people, veterans that are end up playing major roles across the DCAU or other DC animation uh, was a great move here, even if some of them wouldn't play their more well-known roles till later on. You right. Know? So... Uh, you know, I, I think it's really, really strong voice acting uh, for this episode goes goes a long way. I couldn't couldn't find a bad performance. Agreed. All right, Liam. So uh, let's total up our scores here at the end. Uh, totaling everything up, I have a final score of twenty seven out of forty. What about you? Yeah, and I'm just a little bit higher at twenty nine out of forty. All righty. So not too too much of a disparity there, uh, despite us not agreeing on music again. <laughs> uh, so I guess it's time to talk about rewatchability here, Liam. This is uh, I think this is going to be a difficult one for, for me. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it's funny because this was not. I literally do not know that I had ever watched this episode before. Same. Or we watched it for this week. Like, there's a lot of these statics I do remember seeing. Like, oh, I saw this once on a Saturday morning on Kids WB or whatever. But, um, or like, I'll, I'll think I haven't seen it, and then I'll watch the episode. I'll be like, oh, I kind of remember this part, so I must have seen this at least once. But uh, yeah, this one I literally don't think I'd ever seen before. So this was never part of my sort of 
you know, my, my holiday Christmas tradition of usually, uh, usually, uh, when I'm home uh, late at night on Christmas Eve, I, I watch, I watch, uh, Christmas with the Joker. I watch holiday nights. I watch comfort and joy. That's usually where it ends. Um, so I don't know that this will enter into that yearly rewatch. I do think there's value in it. Like I said, because it, it is another one of those static episodes that tackles a very real life topic in the same way you know we talked about them covering uh racism or we you know even last week when they talked about sort of some of the ins and outs and the dirty business that goes on in the music industry like this is not your your typical saturday morning cartoon fair but uh yeah i i guess i would give it a thumb up because like i said i i do think it's a strong episode and it does feel like it's important to like building static into a better hero but I wouldn't say I don't know that this is going to be a yearly rewatch for me the way some of those other DCU cartoons are. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think some of it has to do with you know we talked about it on our bonus episode this week that Christmas with the Joker is not a great episode by any means, mm-hmm. uh, but there is some nostalgia factor that's wrapped up in it. This, I mean, this episode never stood a chance at having a lot of nostalgia from what I can tell based on the fact that they aired it in February. <laughs> they aired the Christmas episode two months after the time right. that it would have been relevant and and had any chance of sort of building some of that nostalgia. With that being said, maybe to somebody this is a, a yearly rewatch. And, you know, if that is if that is the case, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Absolutely. that. You can always tweet us at DCAE Review. But, um, yeah, I, I think because of the clunkiness of it, because it sort of does feel at times like a PSA, um, because of the, the maybe just the structure of the episode, it, it it is, and it's not like the thing about traditional. And this speaks to the episode, and we we pointed that out as something that is good for this. Is the thing the reason that people tend to watch uh, things around holiday times over and over again mm-hmm. is because they you want to feel warm and happy and and like things are okay, yeah, for better or worse, whether or not that's realistic or not. <laughs> Or whether or not that's, you know, you're blindly ignoring what's going on. People, there's a reason why people will tend to gravitate towards those things and want to escape from the real world. Right. So with that said, I think that this, there's a detriment to this episode because it does focus on so much real world and there's not as much escapism. With that, like I said, I commend them for it mm-hmm. because that's the real world for a lot of people and right. uh, for a lot of re- a lot of people the holidays are a very difficult time a very hard time um so to to have a commentary on that is certainly commendable mm-hmm. with that said i don't know that this is one that i will particularly be drawn to every christmas season but i can recommend it as hey if you're if somebody asks me what dcau christmas episodes are there I now know that I can I can recommend Frozen Out. There's a Static Shock episode that you should watch. Absolutely. Uh, you know, to if you're if you're interested in watching and getting the full like Christmas experience, uh, you know, episodes here. And and another thing that we didn't really tackle that I think is interesting is that they did go out of the norm of what the DCAU tended to do, and that is uh, focus more on various religious aspects of the holiday season, mm-hmm. which Batman uh, intentionally steered away from due to standards and practices. And the fact that, uh, you know, realistically, that that's, that is what the Christmas season, where it started, why it started, and what for a lot of people the importance of it is. So the fact that they don't straight up ignore that and they were willing to sort of cross that line also. So that might be something else that interests you too. If you're looking for something other than Santa and the Joker and, you know, uh, the Joker's holiday special, this might be something that's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It definitely, like I said, and it's, it's, as you mentioned, very inclusive uh, with, uh, with the interfaith service at the end, you know, you know, mentioning, and it isn't just allusions, like they specifically mention these religions. And if you are someone that was raised with, with any of those religions and that, and again, that's, you want something a little bit deeper touching on touching on uh, again whether you whether you celebrate ramadan or whether you celebrate hanukkah or whether you celebrate kwanzaa or whether you celebrate christmas uh yeah this one definitely doesn't shy away from that in the same way that uh uh, that other specials uh, other christmas specials and specifically other dcau christmas episodes have so yeah that's definitely that definitely makes this one a bit more unique for sure All right, William. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, We are, you know, tis the season, as they say. We are just so incredibly thankful and grateful 
uh, for all of our listeners, especially during this holiday season, uh, we have just had such a great year. Our, you know, we 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 don't do this for numbers, but I can, you know, I, Liam and I were looking at some of the numbers earlier uh, in the month, and you know, we're we're really just kind of blown away the amount of people that are interested in listening to us talk about cartoons, uh, you know, <laughs> that are twenty plus years old, almost thirty years old at times, and listen to us ramble on about various different animation and music. So. Uh, we want to say a special thank you to all of our listeners and uh, each of you that interact with us, whether you listen to the episodes, you interact with us on social media, um, you've sent us messages or you know leave reviews on, on various podcast platforms. Uh, we hope that you have a very, very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a very Happy New Year uh, for the upcoming, much looking forward to 2021. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, definitely, it's really cool. We we talked about that from the early early days of the show, but especially over the last year, uh, getting interact with everyone who does listen to the show and hear their memories and and their their uh, their different thoughts and of the themes of certain episodes. It's it's so cool and fun and seeing people share their their fan art or their figure photography and things like that. So cool. It's been great, kind to uh, you know grow our our little community here over the last year, and and uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I uh, it's certainly not a typical holiday season this year. Um, in these uncertain times, as every advertisement will remind you if you turn on your television. Um, so we we do thank you for spending a little bit of your holiday season with us, and uh, we hope it is happy or at least not miserable for uh, for everyone out there. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's. We've got one more episode before the new year, Cal, but uh, I, too, am quite ready to uh, to turn the page on the calendar and and uh, start start fresh in 2021. Well, we'll see how that goes. But yes, as you mentioned, we have one final episode here in the year 2020. And uh, Liam, that will be another episode of Static Shock that we'll be covering. Uh, why don't you tell the good folks at home what episode we'll be covering? That's right, and keeping with the theme that we kind of started earlier this month when we reviewed a couple of episodes in our double feature, uh, we're going to look at another sort of static villain first appearance, and that will be the first appearance of one of the big bads of the whole series, that being Ebon and his group, The Breed, and that will be in the third episode, appropriately titled, The Breed. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, looking forward to uh, Discount Ice Tea impersonation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. You'll want to check out those for clips and uh, interact with us uh, throughout the uh, throughout the week in between episodes. We love talking about upcoming episodes, anything that's happening in the DC Universe proper, uh, and of course, everything DCAU. Uh, don't forget also, if you like the podcast, you can always support us by going to our store and picking up a shirt, a hat, a sweatshirt, something like that. You can go to DCAUreview.com, click on the shop link at the top of the page, and that'll take you to our store. Uh, don't forget also to subscribe to us and like us on your favorite podcast app. If it allows you to leave a review, we would love for you to do that because it helps us with the algorithms, gets more ears on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Also, if you've left a review before, you can actually leave additional reviews. Uh, so if you've done it before, thank you. And if you feel like it, doing it again, go ahead and leave another podcast uh, review for us. That helps us out immensely. Uh, but uh, looking forward to next week's Static episode. Until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the very next episode of the DCAU Review. Happy Holidays.